0: Good morning, friends. I'm glad to be here. Um, some of you I've gotten to know, I've, I've been able to get to know this church a little bit over the past year or so. I've been here a couple of times. Some of you I know and I have a great affection for this church already. Uh, some of you, uh, many of you I don't know, but um, I really wanna thank you for being present here in this room and being present here together. And my hope is that we will uh, be drawn closer to God uh, through the spirit. Uh, This summer has been one where I got to fulfill a lifelong dream of mine. And it came when I got to go to Italy this summer. My family and I got to spend some time in Italy. Uh, I know you may find this surprising with my name being Vito. I'm actually Italian. And so it was exciting for me to get to go to Italy. And I even specifically went to the town where my great grandfather came uh, about 100 years ago. I've seen the ships manifest from Ellis Island where he came uh, into New York City. And so I thought, I really want to go to Palermo where he came from. And so we went to Palermo, my family and I, and I booked a hotel, which I found out wasn't really a hotel. It was more of a a bed and breakfast, but it wasn't like the quaint uh, cottage bed and breakfast that you might think of. It was in an industrial part of Palermo. And uh, there was a market there and there were some strange shops and you couldn't even see the B&B. It was sort of uh, lodged up inside of this nondescript cement building. And we opened the door and we went in, and there was an elevator there, the kind that you pull the gate across, and you pull up, and you go up, and we got to where the door said the hotel's name, but it's just this big black door, and so we knocked on the door, and the door opened, and there was a man standing there, and I said, uh, hello, my name is Vito, and he said, hello, my name is Vito. Vito. <laughs> And that's the day I met Vito. I want you to meet Vito too. This is a picture of, uh, that's Vito and that's Vito. And that's my family, my my wife and my son. And this is the very first day we met. The very first day that we met, he showed us around Palermo and uh, he bought us lunch. He took us to this little place. There was a hole in the wall, no tourists to be seen, uh, making this wonderful food. It was a beautiful experience. I could tell you stories about Vito all day, but I'll just tell you this one. One of the very first things he said to me as I walked in, we had all of our bags, hadn't even sat down yet. And uh, I began to tell my story. I said, well, uh, my name is Vito Ayudo and I'm here in Palermo. I wanna see where my great grandfather came from. His name was also Vito Ayudo. And, And he said, stop, what did you just say? And I said, I said, my name is Vito Ayudo. He says, wait, first you need to learn how to say your own name. And you will forgive me if I state the very, very obvious here, which is it's a jarring thing to hear that you've been mispronouncing your own name for 45 years. He said, say your name. I said, Vito Ayuto? No. No. Vito Ayuto. And ever since then, I've been trying to figure out, should I go through the rest of my life sounding like one of those Warner Brothers Italian chef characters, (laughs) Vito Aiuto. I don't know what to do with this information. You find out you've been mispronouncing your name for this long. I've been missing something about myself. Somebody else had to show me and tell me something about myself that I thought I knew. You can go through your whole life and miss some of the most important stuff. The story I wanna look at with you today is about two people that Jesus sets before us, two people interacting with Jesus. And there's a stark contrast between these two. This series is called Characters of Faith, and it's an attempt to hope to help us to all understand how we can better follow Jesus. And sometimes we can see that when we see somebody else. I know that that's happened with some of you. You maybe got into a vocation because you saw somebody else. Some of you teachers saw somebody teach. Some of you engineers saw somebody who had just some way of expressing that. And now I want us to look at a passage where we see two people. And one of them is a character of faith who's gonna help us to see what it means to follow Jesus in imaginative and powerful and strong ways. But there's somebody else here it's set before us. Somebody, well, let's just take a look at it. We're going to look at chapter seven, verses 36 and following. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Dear friends, would you please pray with me for a moment? Dear God, please speak to us through the story. Speak to the Speak to us through my words and all the thoughts of our hearts. Guide us by your spirit to hear what you want us to hear. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. So let's set the scene a little bit of what's going on here. We're in Simon the Pharisee's house and Simon the Pharisee is a leader in his community. And he's holding what is probably something like a Greco-Roman symposia. And that's a very fancy way of just saying, Inviting people over to your house to eat and to feast and to talk over issues of the day, maybe a philosophical issue, maybe a religious topic. And it's probably a way for him to try to get a bead on Jesus a little bit and figure him out because Jesus at this time is attracting a lot of followers. Jesus is somebody who is attracting a lot of attention and he's a little controversial. So Simon's a leader in the community and he wants to find out, is this somebody that can be trusted? Is this somebody we should accept or not? So he invites people to this house. He invites people in and he throws this feast, but there's somebody who shows up that he doesn't invite, and it's this woman. And we can see in the reception that he gives her, he does not approve of who she is. Now, our inclination maybe is to sort of root for this woman, but I want you to see that she is crossing some boundaries here. I want you to imagine maybe this. Imagine somebody threw a great banquet, a great fundraiser, maybe for a school or something like that. Somebody threw a banquet and a fundraiser for a school and invited people to his home and wanted to raise a lot of money for the school that was gonna support children. And he also invited this new person in, somebody who's also maybe going to be a leader. And there into the middle of it comes a woman and her pants are tight and her shirt is even tighter. And she comes into the midst of this party that she's not been invited to. And then she gets on her hands and knees and she begins to wipe her hair all over this person's feet. And you read something like that in the Bible and you think, I guess people did that back then? No, they didn't. This is strange then, it's strange now. She shouldn't have been doing it. And so you can see in some ways, Simon isn't wrong for disapproving of her in a way. There's a time and a place for everything, isn't there? Simon is a good guy. You know, he's Simon the Pharisee. And if you grew up in church or if you have any knowledge of the Pharisees right now, you're ready to cast him in the character of the villain. But before you do that, I want us to think really clearly about what a Pharisee is. Simon gives away a lot of money. He gives away at least a 10th of his money to the poor and to his local synagogue. He is a leader. He loves the Bible. There's a good chance that he's got the first five books of the Bible memorized. Simon is who you would aspire for your children to be. You want your children to succeed. You want them to have respect. You want them to have good work. You want them to have good standing in the community. You want them to do well for themselves. This is who Simon is. Don't cast him as the black-headed villain yet. So Simon here is the one who, if we were to look from afar, if you were to be one of the people in the context of this story, you would say, Simon who's, is who we're supposed to look at. Simon is gonna show us who we're supposed to be. If the sermon was being given in a synagogue 2,000 years ago, the character of faith that we would be looking at is Simon. But today, guided by Jesus, we're gonna see that Simon is somebody who doesn't know how to say his own name. Simon is somebody who doesn't understand himself at all. In fact, the way that Jesus puts it here and the way that the Bible puts it all over the place is that what the problem with Simon is, is he is spiritually blind. Did you notice what he asked Simon? He said, Simon, do you see this woman? How could you miss her? But somehow Simon has. Simon is afflicted with a kind of spiritual blindness. If you look all over the Bible, you can see examples of descriptions of this. One of them comes from the book of Isaiah. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. Simon, is blind and what Jesus has come to do in this situation and what he's come for all of us is to help us in our blindness. Jesus talks about this blindness. He quotes Isaiah in the gospel of Luke chapter four. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the mission of Jesus now. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Simon is blind. He doesn't know his own name. And I wanna show you here how terribly blind he is. And part of the reason I wanna show you that is because this same blindness can afflict us as well. Here's the first thing that that Simon doesn't see. He doesn't see Jesus. He has been having this meal with Jesus. He's been sitting right across from him. I mean, he doesn't see him at all. Maybe you're a little bit like me. When I was little, I remember a couple of times being in my bedroom and uh, sitting on my bed and across the room uh, on a chair was my baseball mitt and there was my ball inside of it. And I remember a couple of times saying things like this, little prayers, God, if you're real, make that ball roll out of the mitt just a little bit. I won't tell anybody, but then I'll know that you're real. None of you have ever done this, right? Put God to the test. Gosh, if God, if you could just see him for just a moment, right? If you could see God in a really special way, you wouldn't tell anybody else, but you'd really believe then, right? Simon had dinner with God, sat across from him, talked with him, heard him teach, and he didn't see him. Do you think that's possible? Do you think God can be in your life speaking to you, teaching you, trying to wake you up and you just don't see him at all? Is that possible? The Bible said, absolutely it is. And Simon does not see God right there in his own home. He's so intimate with him, and yet he's a 1,000 miles away. Simon does not see God. Simon is also blind because he does not see others. Jesus says, do you see this woman? And he obviously does not. He does not see her. What does he see instead? Look at verse 39. He does not see her. It says, he sees a sort of a woman. This is a terribly frightening verse, friends, that when we go out into the world, we say, I I know who that is. I can see this this person's race, this person's gender, this person, I can see by what they're wearing. That's what Simon's doing. I see what she's wearing. I know who she is. She is a sort of a woman. He is blind to who she really is. And he's blind to what she's doing. (laughs) What does Simon think is happening as she strokes Jesus' feet, he thinks she's making him unclean. What does Jesus think? Jesus thinks that she's blessing him. He's got it all wrong. He doesn't even see her actions. So he doesn't see Jesus. He doesn't see this woman, and maybe most frightening of all, he doesn't see himself. He does not see the essential truth that he needs Jesus just as much as this woman does. In the passage in verse 47, it's not gonna come up here. Jesus says to Simon, I tell you her sins, which are many are forgiven for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And what that means is not that she's got a whole lot of sins and Simon has only a little bit of sins. What it means is if you think you only have to be forgiven a little bit, then you're gonna have a little bit of love in your life. But if you know you need to be forgiven everything like this woman does, then you're gonna have God's full encompassing love in your life and that will change you. And Simon does need to be changed here. He needs to learn who he is. And Jesus has brought this woman to teach him. See, she comes in here and she's all wrong, right? She comes in and she's not invited. And she comes in with a standing which is not accepted. It says here that she is a woman of the city. She's almost certainly a prostitute probably a prostitute that consorts with Gentiles, which makes her doubly taboo. And she's on her hands and knees and she's crying. She does all those things that look so wrong, but she's the one in this passage who is right. She's the character of faith that I want us to look at because she's the one that can help us to learn who we are. She embodies what we should do in response to Jesus. So let's look at some of the things that she does. This woman is wrong by the standards of the world, but look at some of the things that she does. The first thing that she does is she shows up. She actually shows up at this house. Do you know how easy it would have been for her to not ever leave her house? She's been shamed by people. She's been abused. She's been classified and put away. And sometimes when you and I have been hurt, when we have had things done to us, when we have done things that we are ashamed of, we hide. We go away. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to call a friend. We want to kind of suck back in and we want to put that blanket over our head. This woman doesn't do that. This one, woman does something extraordinary. She shows up. She goes right into the midst of it. She doesn't care what other people think about her. She goes right into this home where she's not been invited, but she goes in, she shows up. What else does she do? She goes in and she assumes this position of humility. She gets on her hands and knees before Jesus. And this woman could be forgiven for not ever wanting to submit to a man again. She most certainly probably has been abused. She's been forgotten. She's been dominated. And you would think she would say, I'm never gonna submit to a man. And she might not come in in a position of humility. She might wanna come in like you and I would want to, which is to say to Simon, you're no better than me. You think you're better than me? You're not better than me. I'm just, that she could go in proud, but she doesn't. She goes in the posture of a servant. She gets down on her hands and knees and she does what Simon should have done for Jesus, which is to wash his feet, but he didn't. So this woman does it. And what she's doing is embodying a teaching that Jesus hasn't even given yet. The last night of Jesus's life, at the very end of the gospel of John, says when he had washed their feet, And put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you all shall do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This woman is ahead of the curve by a mile. She's already obeying the teaching of Jesus and it hasn't even been given. She's his best student. So she shows up and she's humble and she's also generous. She anoints his feet with not regular old olive oil, but it says here ointment. It's the Greek word myron, which probably means myrrh an expensive, fragrant, anointing oil that she now is putting on him. She had to have saved up for it. She's using her own resources to bring this honor to Jesus. And she's also very wise because what do you anoint or who do you anoint with myrrh? Priests and kings. She sees who Jesus is in a way that almost nobody here does. Do you see how wonderful this woman is? She also does something which I can't fully prove here, but which I think is going on. Why does she show up at Simon's house? I think she's doing it to set an example for that community and to Simon. Simon is the one that's supposed to embody how you're supposed to live. He's a leader, he's gonna set a tone. She comes in to do the same thing. She smuggles into that home, her powerful, faithful heart, and it blows everything up in love. And she's doing this thing before Jesus and she's showing them who Jesus is. And I think she's doing it as an example to Simon. The final couple of things that she does here are things that you and I can embody too. It says here that she's crying, that she is shedding tears before Jesus, wiping her face on his feet with her tears. And she is unashamed as she does that. What's one of the first things that you probably say when you start crying in front of somebody else? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry about this. We apologize when we start crying in front of others. Why do we do that? Why do we apologize for showing emotion? This woman does not apologize at all. She has something inside of her that comes out when she is with Jesus. I don't know if she's crying from joy or relief or happiness or maybe it's repentance, I don't know. But she is modeling what should probably be our first inclination when we're in the presence of Jesus. You know, this is a non-denominational church. I come from the Presbyterian church. I represent the frozen chosen. Every once in a while, we do something wild at our church. We may clap if we hear something good. One time a couple years ago, somebody raised their hands up. She's in the presence of Jesus and she is weeping because there is something wild and beautiful and strong that comes out of her when she receives what Jesus gives to her, because everything that I just said to you about what you see in this woman, everything that I hope can empower you to become people who follow Jesus more faithfully, everything that she is doing, it's coming because of what Jesus did for her already, because look at what Jesus is doing for her. Simon is not talking to her. Simon is ignoring her. Simon is hoping that she's gonna go away. But Jesus, has welcomed her in every single way you can imagine. Jesus has received her touch and Jesus has accepted her into his presence. And Jesus, did you notice this? Begins to defend her from Simon. And not only defending her, but also praises her and uses her as an example of who they should be. And not only that, he believes that he can be blessed by her. Did you know that you can bless God? That's what Psalm 103 says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This woman is blessing Jesus because he's receiving her. And I want you to know this is how Jesus receives people who are wrong in the eyes of the world. This is how Jesus receives people who've done bad things and have had bad things done to them. This is how Jesus receives people who come to him in humility who are in need. And I want you to know that because lots of churches along the way and lots of teachers and pastors along the way have gotten that wrong. That somehow we believe that what we need to do is get ourselves cleaned up. What we can do if we're gonna feel good about ourselves is I haven't done that sin for a while. And now I've been going to the Bible study and now I'm back in church. And now I'm beginning to feel good about myself Jesus receives her back. Do you see her apologizing for anything here? Do you see her explaining anything? She just comes and he receives her. And this is how Jesus receives people who come to him. And you need to know that. You need to know that if this is your first time, if you've ever come to a church, this is how Jesus receives people. And you need to know if you've been coming to church for a hundred years so that you don't ever get it mixed up that Jesus receives people in love and accepts them because that's what he has chosen to do. And the love that he has for this woman is creating a masterpiece. This woman knows who she is. She knows how to say her own name. She is a child of God. She is a daughter of the great King. And there she can now do what Jesus tells her to do at the very end. Verse 50 says, go in peace. Her sins are forgiven. The only person in the universe who can forgive her sins has done it, and now she can go in peace. She can live her life in peace. Dear friends, who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? Who are you gonna follow here? Jesus is setting it before us really starkly. It's kind of obvious. It's kind of simple. And it's so simple that we might believe it so easy to say, I'm not gonna be like this one. But Simon is one who is blind. And they're called blind spots because we don't see them. The things that we don't see about ourselves, the way that we want to put things and people into categories, a sort of a person, a kind of a man. And instead what Jesus does here is he holds before us this woman who's so faithful and so courageous and so imaginative. Do you see this woman? Do you see her? Look at her intently, and as you see her, you're going to see the light of God's love. You're going to see his grace coming through. And that word grace is an important word. It's one that gets thrown around a lot, but it means God's accepting love. And as it gets drenched all over her, it's going to go right through her, and she's becoming the person God wants her to be. That's what God wants for you, too. Do you see this woman? Look at her. Let's pray. Our heavenly father, we give you thanks that you show us who we can be by these characters in the Bible. You show us not only as an example a long time ago, but you speak to us now. And I pray that you have done that and would do that now. Speak to us about who we are called to be. Show us by your presence and by your spirit how we might be imaginative and courageous as we follow you. Help us to see this woman and to see her love for you because of your love for us. I pray for anybody here who feels wrong and who feels broken and who like this woman has had bad things done and has had tragedy. I pray that anybody here who feels that way would recognize and feel and believe and know that you've invited them in, that you accept them because of your love. And I pray that Father, anybody here who doesn't believe that that's for them, that they would see that it is for them. And I pray that you would equip every single person here as they receive that to become like this woman, generous and strong and bold. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.